Thank you, Jeff and worship team. Good evening, church. It is good to see each of you here. I had uh, had something else planned this evening. I even, those of you who know me know I like to try to give people a heads up and I'll put something out on down what was on social media. Not that there was a problem with it. I thought it was excellent. But, um, <laughs> but I really believe the Lord wants me to change it just a little bit. And so that's what we're going to do. I want to call your attention to just a few verses in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1 is where I'm going to begin reading. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. And as you're turning there, I want to make a few remarks and then I want to say some things about this text of Scripture and one other passage. And then we're going to close and have fellowship together. So I hope you plan to uh, hang out for a few moments afterwards. We would love to see you and visit with you. <clears throat> Before coming here, I served with the Arkansas Baptist State Convention for 10 years. During that time, I conducted eight interim pastorates. The eighth interim pastorate was right here. One of the rules we had in conducting interim pastorates was that you could not be a candidate to become a pastor of a church when you were serving as an interim. And I broke that rule. And, um, but I did resign first, if you'll remember. I resigned the interim pastorate before I became a candidate to be your pastor. And that was all the Lord's doing. I believe that, and, and I'm thankful for that. Among the eight pastorates that I did, interim pastorates, uh, I had opportunity to, to come into churches between pastors. And, and so I wanted to just take a moment to say a word about what you are about to enter into as a church. You're going to be between senior pastors. And that period of time is very, very important to the life of Wynn Baptist Church and any church. Because there's so many things that God wants to accomplish during that time. It is not wasted time. But it can be time, if not used well, that can, can be damaging to the ministry of a future pastor and damaging to the future of the church. So I want to talk about that, just, just a couple of simple things that I think can be helpful in this journey that you're about to enter into. When a pastor leaves a church, when I announced last Sunday, and I've shared this with our, some of our deacon leadership, our deacon officers, but when a pastor leaves a church, announces that he's leaving, at noon last Sunday, after my announcement, at noon, there were more than likely, four congregations within the church that is called Wynn Baptist. There were people who were sad that I was leaving. And I believe they were the largest group. There are people that are glad that I'm leaving. Very small group. But whenever a pastor leaves a church of any size, there are typically people that are saying, well, I'm glad that's over. 
or it was time for him to go, or whatever the case may be. People who are glad. I'm not going to make you raise your hand or anything, but, okay. People who are sad, people who are glad, people who are scared make up the third group. And that anxiety can be a real problem. The fear that if we do not have a senior pastor, that somehow the church cannot survive, cannot do their work, cannot do ministry, cannot take care of the sick, cannot do all these different things because we don't have a senior pastor. It's not true, but it can be a source of great anxiety, kind of a panic. And sometimes that is infectious, and it can spread in a congregation. But there's typically a third group who are anxious. And then often there's a fourth group, and I believe there very much is in Wind Baptist Church, people who, are, who walk with the Lord and who know it's going to be okay. And I'm not talking about simply, well, pastors come and pastors go kind of attitude. I'm talking about the wisdom that God gives to us as we grow in Christ, that he is on his throne, he is in charge, and everything's going to be okay. We just need to trust God. Four groups. Now, there's nothing inherently evil or wrong about any one of those groups. Seriously. The, the problem comes is, and this happens many times, is when a church ignores the reality that the entire church is not on the same page and moves too quickly through that interim period. And what happens is the church is not ready in that condition. The church is not ready to receive the ministry of a new pastor when there are four congregations under one roof. They're not ready. And if a pastor comes in and the church isn't ready, he will spend, and I speak from experience, he will spend a significant amount of time trying to deal with individuals who are not happy with him because he is not like somebody else. It's not his fault. He simply came too soon. For example, if people are sad that I'm leaving, a new pastor comes. And let's say, in a way, I'm pretty good, but I'm not perfect. And I'm so glad my wife didn't say a loud amen at that point. I'm not, I'm not perfect, but, but I have strengths and I have weaknesses in leadership, in the way I shepherd. The tendency of a church, especially after a long tenure, and mine wasn't particularly long, six, seven years would be a long tenure, but in, in the average scenario, but still, it's long enough. Long enough to say, you know, I wish we had a senior pastor who had some qualities that Don didn't have. Whatever those are, I can't imagine. <laughs> really. But let's say the pendulum swings, and, and let's say, let's not use me as an example, but let's say you have a, a pastor who is a particularly good people person, but who is a terrible administrator. Let's say you have a pastor like that, really good with people, terrible with administration. 
And so the leaders of the church say, you know, we need a pastor who's better at administration. And so we got a group that's anxious to get a new pastor right away because they're anxious, they're afraid. We've got to have a senior pastor. So they say to that group, we've got to get a pastor right now. The pendulum swings and they go get a pastor who's really good at administration, but he's not good as being a people person. So guess what happens? The people who are sad that the people person left look at the new guy who's not a people person and they say, he's not like our, our former people person pastor. And that administrator gifted, administratively gifted pastor will spend a lot of time with those dear ones wishing he had the chance to be their pastor but not received as a pastor. And so it's very important that during this interim period that this church think very carefully about what do we need to do to get on the same page. And I want to give you the best approach that I know to get ready to receive the ministry of a new pastor. It's not the only thing that needs to be done, but it's one of the best things. It's, I believe it's the most important thing to do. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, I want to read the, the priority first. The Apostle Paul says to the people in Ephesus, which, by the way, this didn't end well. If you go and read the book of Revelation, you read the letter to the people in Ephesus, you understand that at some point things change for this church. But right now, he says, I therefore... Ephesians 4.1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. Now, you know, if you have to bear with somebody, uh, there's something about them that rubs you the wrong way. Maybe they're one of the glad people and you're a sad people. Maybe they're one of the anxious people and you're one of those that walks with the Lord and you're just having to be patient with them. Say, look, you keep asking me when we're going to get a pastor. It, we're going to get a pastor, okay? Just, just chill. Bearing with one another in love, it says. Endeavoring, here's the key verse, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Endeavoring means to, to work at it, to make every effort to apply yourself to keep the unity of the Spirit. We already have unity in Christ. You know that. When you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit came to live inside you, and He makes you one with every other Christian on the planet, past, present, and future. But you have to keep it. You have to take care of it. You have to protect it. You have to recognize that even when you profoundly disagree with a brother or a sister, that you still share a fundamental organic oneness in Christ, and you have to endeavor to keep it and keep that bond of peace. So there it is. So how do you do that? I want to turn to Ephesians 6 now. I'm just going to read a couple more verses. Then I'm just going to pray, and we're going to be done. In Ephesians chapter 6, we have that passage about spiritual warfare, and he talks about 
putting on the whole armor of God in verse 11. He says in verse 12 of Ephesians 6, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So even when you disagree with someone, have a problem with a brother or sister in the church, they are not your enemy. We tend to demonize people that we disagree with. And in the world in which we live in today, outside the church, we can't merely disagree and then go out and get a cup of coffee. In the world outside the church, you disagree now. I'm not just right and you're wrong, but you're immoral and I'm moral. Every disagreement. And what he says here is, look, when you are struggling, he said, you need to understand that you have an enemy, but it's not your brother in Christ. It's not your sister in Christ. And then he talks about putting on this armor, this armor of God. And at the very end of it, in verse 17, he says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now listen to what he says in verse 18, and this is where I want to finish. Praying always. Praying always. How much do we pray? Always. With all prayer and supplication in the Spirit or in the realm of the Holy Spirit, a kind of praying where He is in charge, a kind of praying where He is present, a kind of praying that He directs. Praying always with all... Somebody needs to say at some point, hey, why aren't we praying about this? Watchful to this end. This is our purpose. Pay attention. Are we praying, church? Are we praying? Are we seeking His face? Are we doing that? And the really neat thing about when people pray together is they forget what they don't have in common. They realize they have much more in common than differences. I find that when people are seeking to draw near to Jesus individually, they wind up bumping into one another. When we draw close to him, we can't help but draw close to each other. And so praying with all prayer and supplication, being watchful to the sin, needs to be a priority. With all perseverance and supplication, for whom? For all the saints. Every Christian needs somebody praying for them. No exceptions. All the saints. Prayer for all the saints. You have the opportunity in just a little bit of time to determine as a church family that we're going to walk together and every step we take is going to be birthed in prayer and bathed in prayer. How do I keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace? I don't know a better way to do it than to grab my brother by the arm and say, hey, let's just pray together. Let's pray about that. And set your heart. I invite your prayers for me and for my family and this new thing that we're being assigned to. I'm going to be praying for you for a very long time. Pastor who's coming, whether he's here in six months, 12 months, or 18 months, doesn't matter. What does matter is when he comes, will we be ready as a family of God to receive 
collectively and as a unified body of Christ, will we be ready to receive his ministry? Pray for your deacon leaders. Pray for Van Baker. Pray for this search committee. Pray over your selections. Oh God, who do you want me to nominate? Who do you want me to, to uh, put in as a person to serve in this group? But then pray for them every day. Pray for one another. Just make prayer the most obnoxious activity in this church. Let me pray for us, and then we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you, Lord, for the truth that we know that you are on your throne. You are our God. There is nothing we need that you can't supply. And we know that there is wisdom in praying together. But Father, open up our minds and hearts to the necessity of it, especially at this hour. That this church family that has a great legacy in praying for people on mission and needs and for one another, Father, I believe and I know that you have an entirely new level where you want to take us as believers individually and as, as a church. So, Lord, I ask that you would shelter this body from the devil. That all he would intend, the great effort he makes, would be frustrated by your Holy Spirit working in these men and women, moving them to pray. And may all that you have in mind for this church, may it be done. For your honor and for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.